Good afternoon. This is Quintus Curtius. It's November 24th, 2023. And um, just wanted to do this podcast here during the vacation just because I thought it might be nice to just get something out uh, for everyone's pleasure, <laughs> hopefully. Um, I decided to do this podcast because I got a few uh, messages from uh, a follower on Twitter, uh, a good guy, goes by the handle uh, uh, Dingo Star 64 Dingo Star 64 and I'll tag him in this um, when I post this uh, podcast. But um, he basically was telling me that, hey, you know, you should do more, more, um, you know, podcasts where you read selections, you read Latin just to interest people in it. And, uh, you know, do more interviews and uh, blah, 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 do more readings. And uh, because there he says, because there are people out there that don't read young. There are some guys out there that don't read at all. And, you know, you got to try to reach them and blah, 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 blah. And I, I said, OK, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to play ball. I'm always willing to play ball in a reasonable way if it's if it's justified. I will say a few things, though. Uh, you know, look. My books are already available in four different formats. You've got Kindle versions, paperback versions, hardcover versions, and audio, audiobook versions. All of my books are available in audio, audiobooks except for one, Digest, which is just so large that it would be, not be cost effective to do, to record that, to pay for that. Um, so you know, there's only so much uh, someone can do. There's only so much an author can do. I mean, you can't. You know, you can spoon feed people up to a point, but you can't chew the goddamn food for them. If someone is, is such a, a a lazy sack of shit, they can't even pick up a book or they can't even be bothered to turn on an audio, uh, you know, to listen to an audio book. There really isn't much you can do. There's a certain there's a certain amount of lifting that has to be done. You know, again, people are willing to play ball, but at the end of the day, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. So I just wanted to mention that to uh, Dingo Star, just to keep that in mind. That there's, look, you know, <laughs> you can't dumb this stuff down. The stuff that I'm dealing with, the stuff that I talk about, is uh, it, it does involve a certain amount of effort. And uh, if you're looking for someone just to to spoon feed you and chew your food for you and tell you what you want to hear, and you know, uh, you know pander and cater to all your 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 uh, peccadillos and insecurities you know move on uh, that's not me it's not going to happen you know you can find a lot of other dunce warriors that are going to do that for you i'm not one of them but i think he does have a valid point when talking about uh, reading uh, selections of latin so that people can hear what it what it sounds like i never Consider that anybody would want to hear that. That's why I really haven't done that before. I, I never thought anyone there would be any interest in that. And maybe there isn't. <laughs> maybe there is no interest. But I'm gonna I'm willing to do it. What I thought I'd do today is read like three different selections, three or four different selections, one from Sallust, one from uh, Cicero, uh, Cicero's on duties, one from uh, Cornelius Nepos, and uh, just get that out there so people can hear what the language sounded like. I'm going to, you know, use the use the classical pronunciation, not the ecclesiastical, you know, where you've got, uh, you know, the hard C and, um, you know, the V's pronounced like like W's and the diphthongs given their appropriate quality. So um, so let's do that. Let's let's dive into that and and um, 
and see what we can do. All right, this first selection is going to be from Sallust, from Sallust's um, War with Catiline, Bellum Catilinae. And this is going to be basically the first opening sentences of uh, this, uh, the monograph. So you can kind of hear what is, I think, a, a, an extremely uh, beautiful and, and, and rhetorically polished a passage, one of my favorites, actually. So let's go ahead and, and read this. Omnis hominis qui sese student, praestare ceteris animalibus summa ope, niti decet, ne vitam silentio transeant veluti pecora, quae natura prona, atque ventri aboidientia finxit. Sed, nostro omnis vis in animo et corpore sita est, Animi imperio, corporis servitio magis utimur, altera nobis cum dis, alterem cum belvis commune est. Comihi rectio sese videtur in geni, quam viriam opibus gloriam quaerere, et coniam vita ipsa, qua fruimur brevis est, memoriam nostri, quam maxume longam efficere. Nam divitiarum et forma gloria fluxa atque fragilis est, virtus clara aeternaque habetur. All right, so what does that mean? I'm going to read now from my translation of um, the War with Catiline or the Conspiracy of Catiline. You can kind of, it goes by different titles, and I used um, in my translation Conspiracy of Catiline, but. Um, so uh, this is what that, the translation of that paragraph is. All men who seek to be better than the animals ought to exert themselves with the greatest efforts, lest they pass their lives in silence as if they were beasts of burden, which nature has conditioned to be prostrate and subservient to their stomachs. All our powers are situated in our minds and bodies. We make use of the mind more for control and the body for service. One of these we hold in common with the gods, and the other with the wild beasts. For me it seems more proper to seek glory through one's natural character than through the efforts of naked force, and, since this life that we delight in is short, to fashion a legacy for ourselves that is as lasting as possible. For glory derived from riches and appearance is transitory and brittle, but masculine virtue is pure and eternal. What a great... What a fantastic uh, piece of writing that is. I mean, just just to, to listen to the nobility of that prose and the sentiments expressed, to me, always have a very, very deep effect on me, and it, it just goes on to get better and better. So that's that's the first selection. Um, and that, again, that's from my translation of uh, Sallust, The Conspiracy of Catiline and War of Jugurtha. Um, so let's go on now to... Cornelius Nepos, whose Lives of the Great Commanders I translated in 2019, or I should say it was published in 2019, and we're going to read a short selection from the life of Alcibiades, the Greek commander. So let's go and, and do that. All right, this is from Nepos's um, biography of um, Alcibiades. Alcibiades, Cliniae Filius, Ateniensis, in hoc quid natura efficere posset videtur experta, 
constat enim inter omnes quide eo memoriae prodiderunt nihil illo fuisse excellentius vel in vitiis vel in virtutibus natus in amplissima civitate sumo genere omnium aetatis suae multo formosissimus ad omnos res aptus consiliique plenus namque imperator fuit summus et mari et terra desertus ut in primis dicendo valeret quod tanta erat commendatio oris atque orationis ut nemo ei posset resistere dives cum tempus posceret laboriosus patiens liberalis splendidus non minus in vita quam victu affabilis blandus temporibus calidissimi serviens idem simulac se remiserat neque causa superat quare animi laborem perferret luxuriosus dissolutus libidinosus intemperans reperiabatur ut omnes admirarentur in uno homine tantam esse dissimilitudinem tamque diversam naturam all right now what does that mean let's go to the translation and and read that off all right so what is my translation of that paragraph uh, he says um, this is what it says uh, Alcibiades the Athenian the son of Clinius in this man it seems proven just what things nature was capable of for all writers who produced accounts of his life confirm that there was no one who bested him either in vices or virtues he came from a noble lineage in the most distinguished of city-states, and was by far the handsomest man of his era. He was proficient in every area of endeavor and excelled in good judgment. He was a gifted commander on both sea, on both land and sea, and his eloquence put him in the highest rank of orators, since the style and content of his speeches were so compelling that no one could fail to be convinced by them. He was wealthy. When the situation required, he could work with great intensity. He had endurance. He was generous and no less dashing in his personal life than he was as a public figure. He was affable and charming, capable of responding skillfully to the needs of the moment. Yet by the same token, as soon as he slowed down and lacked a challenge to engage his faculties, his immoderation, dissolute habits, proclivity for sexual indulgence, and indiscipline became so pronounced that all men were astonished at how such a variegated variegated and incongruous nature could be united in one person. So that's a very nice summary of uh, the character of Alcibiades. And you will see as you go through the, the biographical sketch that Napos makes of him that this, this really rings true. It's a very, very accurate and concise um, summary. And this is what I like about uh, Napos's Lives of the Great Commanders. It's just, it really... It, it, it's a type of writing that just we just don't have today. These little short sketches that don't necessarily give all of the details of the life of the subject, but they kind of summarize the uh, the essence of the the subject. It's almost like a distillation of of each commander. You know, you get kind of the flavor of the commander, which I think is a very nice way of looking at biography, because biographies today are are just in many ways overwhelming in detail. They just give us all this stuff. And they never really provide us a clear picture, maybe, of what the writer himself thinks. We want to know what the writer thinks. We want to hear what the writer says. So anyway, let's move on now to uh, Cicero, and let's go to 
Uh, let's go to his um, on duties, which has proven to be the most popular of all the translations you know, over the years. And uh, we can read uh, uh, basically, a, the, again, the first, uh, what I intend to do here is read the first, um, the first paragraph of the first book uh, so that people can, can get a, a feel for what that sounds like. And they're going to have. They're going to really get a, a feel for just how long Cicero's periods were, his sentences were. They're just very, very long. And in order to translate these effectively into a, a form of modern English that is is understandable and readable, you have to really uh, use some some literary creativity and judgment, while at the same time uh, retaining fidelity to the original text, which is something I've always scrupulously tried to do. All right. So this is. Um, Book one of uh, On Duties, where Cicero was talking to his son. Quamquam te marque fili, anum yam audientem cratipum, itque Atenis, abundaria portet, praeceptis institutisque philosophiae, propter summam et doctris auctoritatem et urbis. Quorum alter te scientia augere potest, altera exemplis, tamen. Ut ipse ad meam utilitatem semper cum graecis latina conjunxi, neque id in philosophia solum, sed etiam indicende exercitatione feci. Idem tibi censio faciendum, ut parsis in utriusque orationis facultate. Quam quidem ad remnos, ut videmur, magnum attulimus, audumentum hominibus nostris, ut non modo graecarum literarum rudes, sed etiam docti aliquantum se arbitrentur adeptos, et ad dicendum, et ad judicandum. So, what does that mean? Let's go to the translation and take a look. All right, so this is my rendering of that, um, of that paragraph. Marcus, my son, since you have been attending the lectures of Cratippus for a year now in Athens, you ought to be well instructed in the doctrines and fundamentals of philosophy due to both the eminence of your teacher and the renown of the city. One of these adds skills to your theoretical knowledge and the other to your practical skills. Uh, I'm sorry. One of these adds to your theoretical knowledge and the other to your practical skills. <laughs> Nevertheless, from my own experience, I have fruitfully joined Greek and Latin studies, not only in philosophy, but in oratorical training. And I believe you should do the same so that you achieve so that you achieve facility in speaking in both languages. In this regard, we may indeed be seen as having rendered a great service to our people, so that not only those who are unschooled in Greek letters, but also the educated elite, may believe they have acquired the arts of speaking and critical thinking. All right, so there it is. Um, it's almost amusing. Uh, my... <laughs> Reading is almost more more fluid in, in Latin than it was in English there, but um, in any case, it's all there in writing. You can see it in, in all my books. It's all there um, in uh, in plain English. So, so hopefully this this uh, will kind of whet the appetite of some people who are interested in this sort of thing who wanted to hear the language spoken. Sometimes it can it can really kind of galvanize people. And again, languages are, are spoken by human beings. You know, there there's nothing intrinsically um, you know, more uh, difficult about one language over another, I believe. It's just really external factors like teaching methods, training methods, and maybe, um, you know, exposure that really can separate one, you know, over the other. 
So, um, yeah. So what do you think? I mean, what is what does Latin sound like? What does Latin sound like to you? Does it sound like an older version of Spanish or does it sound like a mixture of Spanish and Italian or does it sound like something entirely different? So feel free to post comments if you feel like it. I'm curious to know what you think and, um, you know, have a good vacation here for what's left of it. Keep crunching, keep blasting, and uh, we'll be talking soon.